Modus Scotus. I'm your host, Bill Kehoe. And I'm Venetia Herdebees. And today is going to be an extra long episode about a case that just came out. Well, not just came out, but came out within the past couple of months. It was end of November. It's the Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn versus Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. So we're going to take extra time to talk about this case just because it's such a uh, it's it's a controversial issue uh, in today's COVID world. So let's set the scene. COVID hit. It's 2020. Everybody's locked down. Certain executives in different states took different approaches to locking down their respective states. In New York, Governor Cuomo set up a system where there's different color tiers and in each color tier based on the severity of the disease in that geographic location has different uh, restrictions. So here there's red, orange and yellow that are kind of at play. The red zone, which is obviously the worst with COVID, you're limited to 10 people in your church for a worship session. Orange is limited to 25 people in your worship session, and yellow is at a 50% building capacity limit for your worship session. So there are a lot of big churches in New York City. Uh, The Roman Catholic Diocese has churches upwards of 1,000 people. Uh, There are certain synagogues that joined in on this case that also had hundreds and hundreds of people at, at their top capacity. So they sued the state of New York and Andrew Cuomo for injunctive relief saying, hey, you shouldn't be able to enforce this injunction because it's uh, discriminating against our religious practices and beliefs. So one of the things that the uh, the synagogues brought up was that some of their services require 10 people, 10 men as a minimum to practice their services uh, every week. Uh, so they, could, they were effectively banned from any sort of service on certain secular businesses such as and they and they compared it to you know grocery stores and other like liquor stores target Target, yeah other other shopping areas that were not as restrictive they didn't have the same sort of restrictive action placed against them so the question before the court is is this actually is this injunction um proper is are, are the churches likely to succeed on the merits of their case such that will enjoin enforcement of this law until we've adjudicated it through the court. Another thing I forgot to mention about the complaint was that uh, the the synagogue originally complained that Governor Cuomo had gerrymandered these districts uh, to disadvantage the Orthodox Jewish community, uh, citing some of the remarks he made early on in the pandemic uh, regarding the responsibility of the Orthodox community for the initial spread. Right. Uh, yeah, part of their argument is that it seemed targeted towards these religious communities based on, again, things that he had said about, you know, these types of churches having higher um, infection rates. And so they felt that they were being specifically targeted um, and therefore further restricted than maybe similar types of businesses around the area. Right. So the opinion that the court released um, just right around Thanksgiving of 2020, um, it's a procurium opinion, meaning that nobody signed it. It is the majority opinion, uh, but they're not putting anybody's name on it. And I always thought when I was reading this case that, you know, since this is one of the early cases that Justice Barrett was on, it was very, it could be possible that Justice Barrett wrote it, but there was so the, that confirmation hearing was so politicized that they didn't want to they didn't want to politicize decision coming out from a politicized justice so early on. That was that's my theory. There's I have no facts to back that up. Yeah, it's a decent theory. And to be fair, and to look at even the media after this came out, that was still sort of what the statement was from the media, uh, which is you know now that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is gone. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, the headlines were very much new conservative bench makes ruling in favor of religious liberties. Um, so regardless of whoever ended up signing it, and it's very possible that they didn't have anyone sign it for that reason, um, it, the headlines were still new conservative justices are, you know, right. increasing religious liberties and 
stomping all over <laughs> right. state state rights. Right. So this is a five four decision. So the five uh, so the five justices joining the procurium decision uh, were uh, Justice Barrett, Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Gorsuch. Justice Thomas and Justice Alito. Correct. Uh, Justice uh, Chief Justice Roberts released a dissenting opinion, um, and which no one joined. And then uh, Justice Breyer released an opinion that Justice Sotomayor and Justice Kagan joined. And then Justice Sotomayor released a dissenting opinion that Justice Kagan joined. Correct. So we're first we'll dive into the procurium opinion. Well, to, uh, oh, and I forgot to mention, Justice Kavanaugh and Gorsuch both released their own separate concurrences. Right, yes. Which were certainly fiery. Yes. Yes, they, they elicited quite a bit of response in the in the additional dissenting opinions. So let's we're going to dive first into the procurium decision and then move on from there. So um, we mentioned that uh, the synagogues alleged gerrymandering in these districts. So the procurium decision quickly kind of says, hey, this is an injunction case where we're trying to we're we're trying to see if a preliminary injunction should be um, should be awarded in this case that we're not we're not truly deciding this on the merits. We're just you know saying can we temporarily stop New York from enforcing this action? So they acknowledge, yeah, you you could look into whether uh, Governor Cuomo was targeting Jewish communities. However, we don't need to consider that if we're looking at just awarding an injunction. First, we're going to look at, is there disparate treatment between religious and secular activity with the current executive order? And what they what they reason is, is that uh, there's, there's disparate treatment between essential businesses and religious uh, institutions, saying that, um, that, you know, just be, uh, in the red zones, you know, allowing only 10 people into your church for a service— uh, is is the is the regulation, but also an essential business, which were varied in what those were. Uh, you could you could admit up to your discretion as far as you know what's who's allowed in the business, and we'll go into a little bit more of the comparison between uh, essential businesses like shopping malls and re- religious, you know, either a church or a synagogue a little bit later because I think Gorsuch and Sotomayor talk about it um, in a little more depth. But that was the procurium opinion's basic. Analysis so that there's there is clearly disparate treatment between uh, um, religious organizations and secular activity. So now that we know that now that we believe that there is disparate treatment, um, it would the law would have to pass strict strict scrutiny. Yeah, and I'm going to touch upon that just briefly here. And so to bring things back down to a very very um, just basic level. So the reason that we need to look at strict scrutiny in this case is because there is a uh, a religious practice that's in question. So we're going to look at the very, you know, the basics. So the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, here's what it says. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So right here in the Constitution, the very First Amendment, that already says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So that's where the strict scrutiny comes into play because if you are going to restrict a uh, religious institution from practicing as they normally would, so in this case limiting the number of people to 10 or 20 people, that's going to call into question already a constitutional potential violation. So that's why the court needs to look at this in a different way that they maybe, maybe would with other things. So, for example, when Governor Cuomo says you can't have a birthday party with more than 10 people, uh, you know, that, that's going to be one question. When they say your church that seats a thousand people can't have more than 10 people come to worship, all of a sudden we say, whoa, 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 that, I have a right to that. There's like, that's written in the Constitution somewhere. I remember hearing about that. So the court needs to look at this with a slightly different eye than they normally would with other questions or even with businesses, you know, like if you have a small business and they say you need to reduce your capacity of workers, that's one thing. If you say you have a church and you can't practice religion the way you always did, suddenly you're calling into question the First Amendment. 
So that's that's a deeper question, and that's where you know that's where a lot of the argument ends up going. Right, and whenever so whenever we say strict scrutiny in this conversation, what we really mean is the court's going to look at it under a much more intense microscope. They're going to be much more strict on hey, like you can't do that, or you have to be very close. You have to if you're going to restrict. Generally speaking, if you're going to restrict anything that's protected in the Constitution, you have to what they call narrowly tailor those restrictions. You have to those restrictions have to be very very slight and as and uh, encumber upon your right as little as possible. To, right. So that's so that's what we're looking for. And, and even still, um, even before you reach that point, you know the, the narrowly ta- tailored. First, you have this burden. The government has the burden of saying the reason we're doing this is compelling. Right. So even before we can start applying these narrow restrictions, the government has to step in and say, whoa, 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 there's a reason we're doing it and it makes sense. So there are like two steps that need to take place before we can even decide whether or not we can right. step on anyone's right to right. religion. Are we, are we doing this for a compelling reason? Right. And are we doing it in the least restrictive way possible? Yeah. So that's strict scrutiny and that is the, the highest level of scrutiny that the court will analyze these types of questions. Right. And let me roll back a minute. They're not actually deciding whether this is constitutional or not in this case. Mm. This is just a case for injunctive relief. So when you're looking for injunctive relief, you're looking for, is it likely that the case will succeed on the merits? So it, that, so- that sounds like, yeah, we're making the decision as to whether this is constitutional or not. But it's basically, it's a, it's a lesser re- style of review where it says, is it likely that they're going to find that this is unconstitutional? We're not ruling if it's constitutional or not, but is it likely that we'll find that it's unconstitutional? That's the first part. Two, is there irreparable harm? Is there is there some sort of harm that is going to continue happening or is likely to happen if we don't uh, award this injunction? Mm-hmm. And then number three, what's the public? What's is this injunction in the public interest? Is it going to is if we award this injunction, is it going to help people or is it going to harm people? Mm-hmm. So those are the three big questions that they're really looking at in this case. So to answer the first question, is it going to be successful on the merits? Now we're kind of doing that constitutional analysis that we talked about with strict scrutiny. So uh, the, the court analyzes that, yes, you're, we're doing disparate treatment for religious institutions. Let's, let's you know, look at this through strict scrutiny. And they say, okay, is this a compelling state interest to restrict uh, attendance at certain functions, and the court says, "Yeah, COVID nineteen is pretty serious. We need it's um, it's a dangerous disease. Uh, I think I think it's um, it's either Justice Breyer or Justice Sotomayor's opinion that says at that point in time, a quarter of a million Americans had already died from the virus. So it, the state has certainly a compelling interest in regu- in making these types of regulations or executive orders. The next question is." Is this regulation narrowly tailored? The court says probably not. There's certain like these churches are huge. They're you know up the biggest one seats up to a thousand people. The smallest one seats four hundred people. And to only allow ten people into the into the religious ceremony um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's the, that's not the least restrictive way that they could be doing this. I think they also mentioned that. Um, there's, there's, they haven't made a compelling case as to why um, some businesses are essential and this function is not super essential. So they don't, and they don't go, the procurement opinion doesn't go too much into it, but they're basically saying you could have done this in a much less restrictive way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the case is likely to succeed on its merits. Um, second, is there irreparable harm if we don't issue this injunction? Um, they basically say, well... And this is kind of a nuance of the case here. Let's say that the um, uh, because at this point in time, it's important to understand that the district in which both the church and the synagogues were in were designated as yellow districts. The uh, the church and the synagogue only had a problem with the regulations for when their districts were designated as orange or red. However, so just as a reminder, orange and red are 25 and 10 people restrictions, respectively. Yellow is 50% capacity. They're fine with 50% capacity. They're not fine with 10 and 25 people. So at this, at this time, uh, they're, they're in the yellow district. That being said, the governor and state officials had openly said that it's very likely that those districts are going to return to orange or red. And... Um, the, uh, it, it was just very likely that that was going to happen. So when you talk about irreparable harm, 
the court, uh, the, the procuring opinion says, yes, it, they were, they were subjected to some sort of harm. And yes, in the future, it's very likely that they will be subjected to future harm as a restriction of those first amendment rights that we talked about in the first section. So yes, there's, there's irreparable harm being avoided by issuing this injunction. And then three is, is it in the public interest? Uh, the court says, yeah, it's in the public interest because these, it's been shown on the record that these churches and synagogues have exemplary health records. There haven't been a sing, there wasn't a single case attributed to any of the church meetings at any time. Uh, they follow they follow every single restriction promulgated by the government, uh, and they have just very very good health practices. So they said there's it's highly unlikely that the public health will be diminished by some sort of lesser restriction on these churches. So, in summary, they say yep. This is this is totally uh, ripe for an injunction, and they award the injunction pending some appellate court proceedings. So that's the procurium decision. Yep. Moving on to the Gorsuch concurrence, Justice Gorsuch is livid. He's pissed. He's he's quite heated. He's heated. He's all sorts of upset that because he thinks in earlier decisions. The court has kind of allowed the Constitution to go by the wayside. Yeah, that's his that's his primary beef, I guess, is that he he keeps writing about how during COVID the First Amendment has been sidelined, um, like it's essentially put on vacation. And right now the government is, and this is what you see off of Facebook, which is just infuriating. So essentially, what he's saying, which I don't enjoy, is that. The government has taken over and removed our First Amendment right, and they're trying to trample us by making these enforcements because of COVID. Um, so that that's his primary beef, and he's saying, here, look, this is a, clearly a First Amendment right. It's written right in there. We cannot hinder religious freedoms. Like, the practice thereof, they are allowed to practice their religious freedoms. We can't step on those. Uh, again, without an extremely valid reason, and even if we have a valid reason, we need to do it in the narrowest of narrow ways possible. So after going through his whole, you know, spiel about how we're trampling the First Amendment, then he goes into the this idea that it's just not narrow. Like that that's kind of the, the underlying consensus of all of them, which is why it was in the per curiam opinion. It's just it's not narrowly tailored. Right. He's he's like the animated version of the procurium opinion. Yes. He's very, very animated in this opinion. He's like, so he's especially mad about uh, a case that I haven't read, the, the South Bay case. Yeah, we really should read Which that. we should read, but it's um, in the case, it basically says that in the early stages of the, the COVID pandemic, uh, when they were concerned about First Amendment violations, there was like, we're going to defer to the executives running these states because they're the ones who are charged with the public safety and we're going to let it, we're going to let it slide. And he hated that. And we should note that when that took place, when that case happened at the beginning of the pandemic, one, obviously there's a lot less information out there, so we're deferring to our government to protect us. But two, at that time, we had RBG on the court, so we had a 5-4 in a very different direction. When this case came out, this was after she had passed, and we had um, Justice Barrett on the bench. Right. So that's, again, where the media kind of took this case and ran with it because... If RGB had still been on the court, it probably would have been 5-4 in the other direction, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that we have five justices that, you know, again, more on the conservative side is how the media is going to play it, uh, all of a sudden that original decision seems flipped. But whether or not it's flipped is a question. And that's kind of where the chief justice steps in and says, no, 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 it's not flipped. It's not all of a sudden because we have a conservative bench. It was a different case. There were different facts underlying it. But it is one that's brought up several times in everyone's um, opinion here. Yep, yep absolutely. Um, and Gorsuch, in his concurrence, has some awesome one-liners. I mean, and you can agree with them or disagree with them, but they're cutting. Well, one thing we should note, too. I mean, so it's very common when you're reading a justice's opinion for them to cite the dissent or to cite a concurrence or the majority. And occasionally, especially if it's a dissent that's um, attributed to a justice, they're going to call out that dissent and that justice. But the way it's written here, I feel, is a little bit different. It's not, it's not, you know, if we look at this dissent and then they cite at the end, you know, 
Chief Justice Roberts. It's very much the Chief Justice said this. It's very targeted. Very targeted. He spends, he takes like three pages of opinion to just say the Chief was wrong here. Yeah, but it directly was, at the Chief, which is not very common. You don't see it, that. It took, it took me aback. Yeah. It's not some, and I don't think it's something Scalia would have done. Scalia would have been much more like around, like beat around the bush about it. Well, again, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to cite to these areas in the dissent that I don't agree with and I'm going to attribute it to Chief Justice Roberts. That's fine. That's yeah, normal. Right. But for him to just be like, the Chief Justice said that it was just so targeted. Right. It was very targeted. Whereas, you know, a lot, I think the old, old school would have been much more like, this is a terrible opinion. By the way, it was written by the Chief Justice. Right. It, yeah. So that, that was interesting. Um, like it, it, but Justice Gorsuch is clearly upset about, um, he thinks that Governor Cuomo is taking, you know, he's, he's prioritizing secular activity over religious activity, which is directly contrary to the First Amendment and his beliefs. Um, and not and, even limited, I think. I think it's not necessarily limited. I think both Gorsuch and Kavanaugh have a little bit of not just limited here, but, you know, in recent history sort of argument. He touches a little bit upon this idea that religious liberties are not being treated the way they're supposed to be based on the First Amendment in recent history. So it's not just here. Like, this is an example of many of instances where the First Amendment is not being treated with the way he would want it to be treated. Yeah. Do you think that's fair? I think that's agreed. I, I, can, I can completely agree with that. Okay. Um, moving on to the Kavanaugh concurrence, Kavanaugh is much more muted. Mm-hmm. I think the tone of his concurrence is like, hey, everybody, chill, chill out just a second. I happen to agree with the procurement opinion and I happen to agree with Justice Gorsuch, but let's just take a chill pill on this one. I love, hold on, let me find it, because it's he, it is him trying to like bridge yeah. the waters. Yeah, a little bit, and I think he's probably talking about Justice Roberts in this one. Right, so again, when we look back at Gorsuch, he's very much targeting the Chief Justice, saying the, the last opinion we had was wrong and this one is right, and the Chief Justice does, doesn't get it. And then we have Kavanaugh coming in and saying, whoa, 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 quote, I agree with the Chief Justice that New York's numerical capacity limits of 10 and 25 people seem unduly restrictive and that it may well be that such restrictions violate the free exercise clause. The First Amendment. Right. Um, I part ways with the Chief Justice on a narrow procedural point regarding the timing of the injunctions. The Chief Justice would not issue injunctions at this time. So essentially, he's like, he picks out the couple of lines where the Chief Justice says, yeah, I get it. It's not it's not narrow. But essentially, what the Chief Justice's argument is, we don't need to worry about this right now because it, it doesn't apply. Yeah, and we're kind of, we're skipping a little bit ahead here. But basically, all Kavanaugh is saying is like, the Chief and I disagree. Like, whereas Gorsuch and the Chief are at odds. Right. Kavanaugh is like, hey, Chief and I are like really, really close. Like we we disagree on very, very limited grounds. But but it's just these very limited grounds that tip the scale. That's all it is. I don't even know if it's that though, because I think he's like just trying to find. I think he's going out of his way to find where he does align with the Chief Justice. Like like he picks out again like one sentence. He's like. The Chief Justice said that this seems unreasonable. I agree with that. But everything else he said, I don't agree with. So it's like he picks one line to be like, look, we have common ground, but everything his, his else, opinions no. are like the, the few opinions I've read of his since his his confirmation to the Supreme Court have yeah. always been much more like, hey, let's find common ground. Let's talk about the common ground first, and then we'll talk about where we disagree. He's very... Um, is the right word congenial? I don't know. He's very... He, Coagulable? That, he... He writes his opinions. He just wants to be agreeable with everybody. That's basically... I don't know if he wants to agree with everybody, but he certainly wants to agree he's with the looking, chief. He certainly wants to agree with the chief, and I think he's generally looking for agreement with all the other justices, generally speaking. Mm. Generally speaking. But that's, I think that's Kavanaugh's opinion in a nutshell, mm-hmm. is that he, agree, he, he agrees, but he's not nearly as rip-roaring pissed. Right. I think he goes on some of the same tangents, I'll call them, as Gorsuch, where, uh, well, one thing that Gorsuch and Kavanaugh both draw attention to, and again, Sotomayor later, is comparing institutions. So again, as we mentioned, this needs to be narrowly tailored because it's specific to religious organizations and where they have their biggest issue with this um, restriction is that 
like Bill mentioned, in the same red zone area, these churches are limited to 10 or 20 people, but you have essential businesses that are open and can have basically unrestricted numbers of people coming and, Ka- and Kavanaugh is upset. He's like, hey, you guys didn't do a good job convincing me why religious institutions shouldn't be part of that essential class. Right. So he's comparing, for example, you have a church and they're restricted, and then you have like a Walmart down the street, which I don't know if there's a Walmart in that part of Brooklyn. A, tar- a Target. Right. There, there's some kind of big box store where they're allowed to have essentially unlimited people come in and do their business. So how is that different? So he's calling attention to those like auto mechanic shops. Nail salons. Because um, uh, that one's not essential. Oh, oh that one wasn't essential? Because well, No, nail salons are not essential. Oh, acupuncturists. Yes. Acupuncturists. Yeah. Um, like doctor's offices. Things like that. He He's making this comparison between churches and those uh, essential businesses. And so why is yeah. it that Cuomo is restricting a church but then allowing unlimited people to go into these essential Yeah, and Kavanaugh's position is, is it doesn't it does not suffice for a state to point out that as compared to houses of worship some secular businesses are subject to similarly severe or even more severe restrictions. He does he doesn't care if there's even some examples of comparable secular which there are which are which there are movie theaters being the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't Kavanaugh's no the believes that no the question isn't oh are there some secular activities that are more restricted than churches. He's saying there are some there are at least some secular activities that are less restricted and you have to justify to me why those essential businesses are more essential than than religious activities why don't religious activities get the same Treat. level of increased protected status right so that's so that's Kavanaugh's opinion um, let's jump to Robert's dissent now the media jumped all over this one they're like once again the chief justice sides with the liberals on the court i also want to note here audience again okay so bill is more conservative i am more liberal it's interesting probably the news sources that we found because you found the news sources that were mad at roberts Mm -hmm. i found the news sources that were mad kind of at barrett not at barrett but at the idea that now we have five justices that lean more toward, again, the conservative side of things. Not necessarily true, but that's how it's going to be perceived. So all of the um, news articles I read were very much just rip RBG, look at the court, fall down the fall down the drain yours were more just i can't believe roberts he betrayed us right so it's funny because obviously there are two different sides to this right (laughs) and i want to i want to clarify i yes i am a judicial and political conservative generally speaking but i read these articles ago john roberts is a traitor and i was furious i was like you don't know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. like you didn't you didn't read any of this case yeah he had like on like a very binary did he side with the liberals or the conservatives on the court yeah he sided with the liberals but the reasons why are completely different. And he didn't... Uh, he didn't really side... And he didn't side with them. He no. happened to fall his, on a yes. dissent, but his dissent was not... The, or, that's more like the binary question of do we issue an injunction or do we not issue an injunction. Right. That's not necessarily like, oh, religious freedom has nothing to do with that. No. Not, his opinion has nothing to do with that. And so I found lots of, like, so, you know, Ted Cruz tweeted out something along the lines of John Roberts has abandoned his, his oath. I was like, are you kidding me, Ted Cruz? He's like, Ted Cruz Ted Cruz is a barred attorney in the state of Texas. So he knows better. He knows better. Because, um, again, like, if the facts of this case had been different, he, I, I believe, that John Roberts would have been on the other side. I agree. So, again, for us to clarify, so at the time that these churches brought forth this, um, this issue, this argument, this petition, was when they were in a red zone and they were being restricted to 10 people capacity in their church. And they said, that's not right. We have a thousand person church and you're saying only 10 people can come in here. So they brought these petitions forth. And then, you know, during the process of the courts hearing these are when the um, the the governor, Governor Cuomo, he changed it and they went back up to 50%. So what the Chief Justice Roberts is saying here is that, look, this no longer applies. We don't need to worry about this 10-person capacity. It doesn't exist anymore. You're back up to 50%. You're happy. There's nothing we can give you. We don't need to decide this case right now right. because you're currently satisfied. John, John, Roberts is always very much a, if I don't have to decide a constitutional issue, I'm not going 
going to. Right. Um, and this this case borders on deciding a constitutional issue. Right. Because they're like, oh, is it going to is again in issuing an injunction, you have to decide is are they likely to succeed on the merits? And in this case. A majority of the court says yes, they're they're likely. And John Roberts is very much like, hey, I don't have to make that decision. You're in the yellow zone and nobody's being hurt right now. There's nothing I can do for you. If it comes up and you go down to the orange or the red, send me a petition. I'll have you in tomorrow. But that's exactly it. So when the, the media looks at this case and says it that way, it's completely just... It's it's skewed. It's misleading. It's misleading. Thank you. That's the word. Because had they still been in the red zone when this case went to the Supreme Court, I think Roberts absolutely would have sided with the majority. And he would have said that, yeah, you can't do this. Because, again, based on the one quote that Kavanaugh pulls out, 10 to 25 people is unreasonable, too restrictive. Right. So he would have sided with them. He probably would have been been in a concurrence. He wouldn't have been as bad as Gorsuch. Gorsuch probably would have written a... a, um, Here's my prediction. Because, again, the per curiam was more mild. It was more mild. So I would have imagined Gorsuch would have written a a plurality opinion, which is not a majority opinion, but it's like, hey, this is the the primary opinion. Roberts could have written a concurrence saying, hey, Mel, I got it right in that old case that you guys are all mad about, but I still concur in judgment because this is wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. He, but I think we but both But he would agreed. have sided. He would have sided with yes. the court's conservatives, quote unquote. Again, so yeah, it's not that he was not in favor of religious liberties here. He just said this is a non-issue at this time. Right. So for them to portray it as him betraying his beliefs is inaccurate because that's not at all what happened. He just said, whoa, 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 this case isn't ripe yet. Like, you come to me when you're back in the red zone. Man, I will take you and I will we'll make a decision. But that's right. not today. You're fine today. You have no beefs with us today, so go home. Go, yeah, exactly. <laughs> go home. And by the way, chill out, Neil Gorsuch. Like, he's like, he's like I had yeah. one line in that case and you're picking it out and now you wrote like three whole pages about it like whoa 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 like calm down well again yes super unusual where now in the chief's opinion where he writes his um dissent he specifically calls attention to gorsuch and is like look some people in this court think that they need to make a big deal out of this i wasn't saying that before so it's like tit for tat happening in this one opinion and that's that's the hilarious thing about this opinion is because the media made it all about oh the liberals and the conservatives are at it again Again, they like well, some of them are into the religious liberty, li- religious liberty, and the other side is you know reasonable people. That's not what actually happened here. The biggest fight in this case is actually between the conservatives, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny, but that nobody picked up on that. Mm-hmm. So now at this point, I think it's probably good to jump into the Breyer uh, concur, the, the Breyer dissent, and then the Sotomayor dissent. Yes. All right, so Justice Breyer. So he's writing a dissent that is joined by Sotomayor and Kagan. And his dissent is kind of covering all the ground. He's like the Kavanaugh of the the dissenters. He's saying, yeah, I kind of agree with the Chief Justice that we don't need to really worry about this right now because it's not an issue. Um, They're currently at 50% capacity. They should be happy. And then he goes further to say, but even if... Um, you know, the state, the government has a legitimate interest in why they're doing this. They're restricting these facilities because COVID, like big deal, lots of people are dying. So he's the one that goes into the numbers. He just starts actually putting in statistics. He's listing the factual data that was presented to the, um, the underlying courts where they had decided in favor of the government or deferred to the government's judgment. And he's saying, look, there's a lot of people that are being infected. There's way too many deaths that are taking place in our country right now. The government is doing what they think is best to protect their citizens. And, you know, for example, non-religious citizens in New York have a... um, an interest and they they're relying they have a faith in their government that they're gonna do what they can to protect them so you know it's like balancing those rights you know obviously restrictions on religious liberty a clear right but then being a non-religious person in the united states i also expect to be protected from infections so if you're going to allow these these specific areas to be hot spots and like beds of infection and I happen to live around there, I, I kind of want protections too. So that's that's where he's coming from. And I think Sotomayor is a bit the same, but Sotomayor goes into the comparison a little bit more, which again... Well, before you move on to Sotomayor, I think the one thing I want to do, I want to talk about Breyer, mm-hmm. is he's like, hey, an injunction is an extreme remedy. 
We're, for, oh, yeah. we're forcing people to not do what they've promulgated a law on. Mm-hmm. And he's basically saying he, if you go through the same three part analysis of, you know, likely to succeed on the merits, he's like, that's a tough question. I don't know about that one. He says, but it's, you're not, you're like, nothing here has shown me that you've reached that very high bar where I can award you an injunction. Mm-hmm. Even outside the idea that there's no comp, there's no current controversy. True. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I think he's more on the injunctive relief being his issue than Sotomayor. Right. I think Sotomayor is more on the, the narrowness aspect. Right. Yeah, so that's probably, I misstated. Um, so Sotomayor comes in and says, you know, look, the, the constitutional question here, pretty clear. Uh, the state has a compelling interest. Again, COVID, they want to reduce or limit the amount of people who are being infected. That makes sense. And then the narrowness they are only applying this to specific types of activity. So where Gorsuch and Kavanaugh are coming in and saying, look, you're not uh, regulating secular activities the same way, Sotomayor is coming in and saying, whoa, 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 they are. You're comparing the wrong types of activities. So Sotomayor is focusing more on like movie theaters, lecture halls, concert venues. All of those have been shut down in New York. But they're saying, you know, Buildings where people are going to go and sit for a couple of hours and sing and talk and be in close contact with one another, those are the areas that are being uh, restricted the most. That's why they have this 10-person capacity. Whereas essential businesses where people are in and out, so say again like a Target is in that area, they don't have the same restriction. But the reason for that is maybe you have 10 or 15 employees there and then the customers who come in, they come in briefly, a couple of minutes, and then they leave. So it's not the same as a group of people who are going to go hang out with each other in a building for an hour or two and sing and talk to one another and be in this community. That's a higher risk. And that was based on a lot of the the health department that came in into New York and gave their evidence, they testified to what types of businesses should be distinguished from one another. And what they were saying was, you know, these these areas of congregation and worship where people are going to hang out inside a confined space and sing and talk and do this type of activity. For well over an hour. Right. Are at more of a risk than people who are walking in at a Target to buy, you know, a bag of cereal and then leave. They're, it's not as It's not the same risk. So when he's putting these restrictions on these businesses, he's doing it for a reason. So, That's her argument. Yeah, and it's not, and her argument isn't all that different. It's from, or the way she views the facts isn't all that different from the way the procurium opinion views the facts. The procurium opinion and Justice Gorsuch, we'll just name him as a good example, because he was the one who brought up the comparison between churches and other secular activities. Mm-hmm. They're comparing all secular activities to church. Yep. She's saying, I'm going to compare comparable secular activities to religious activities. Right. And it's and it's just that little nuance where she turns and she says, nope, it, the, the, this makes sense. And there's one line at the end of her opinion that kind of outlines. And I, I look, like, as Venetia mentioned, I'm a political conservative and a judicial, judicial conservative. No. So I'm like – so I, de- I generally don't agree – Judicially with Sotomayor's opinions, but she says one line in here which shows that she's really not that far off from us. She's from us being the the judicial conservatives. She says, free religious exercise is one of our most treasured and jealously guarded constitutional rights. States may not discriminate against religious institutions even when faced with a crisis as deadly as this one. So she's all she's doing is saying, hey, when you compare the activities you'd be doing in church with the activities you'd be doing at any comparable secular branch they're being regulated in the same way mm-hmm. everything else where you're in target for five minutes buying a bag of cereal and leaving where it's not comparable with your to what you're doing in church they're regulated differently mm-hmm. and that's and, and that's how she that's how she would decide the case right let's just focus on the constitutional argument not the injunctive relief argument yet so on the constitutional argument who was most convincing for you on the constitutional argument? Yep. And then where do you land? Like one who had the most convincing opinion, and then where do you land? How would you rule? I liked the procurium opinion the most. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the most convincing to me because it was simple. It wasn't because Gorsuch's opinion was mired in emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, Kavanaugh was trying to walk that back a little bit. So I didn't, I mean, like while I found their, their opinions um, at least entertaining to read and fun to read, 
I didn't find them the most convincing because there was too much emotion attached to them. Uh, the procurement opinion was very just down the line, boom, 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 boom. It's likely that this is unconstitutional. There's and, and you know what? A combination of the procurement opinion and Kavanaugh's opinion on the constitutionality of it. Because Kavanaugh says, hey, you can place pretty strict restrictions on religious institutions. That's okay. They just have to be fair compared to everybody else. So that was probably the most convincing to me. Um, and that's kind of where I land is that it's going to lean towards unconstitutional. Um, I do want to admit that Sotomayor's um, reframing the question as far as the comparison. Do you, are you comparing it to movie theaters where that's the most comparable secular activity? Or are you comparing it to the acupuncturist like Gorsuch compares it to? I think she's got the winning argument there of who you have to compare it to. But I also think that Kavanaugh's argument of doesn't matter if there's a couple that are more restricted. You have to give me a, a much more compelling reason um, than that. So that's where, that's where I end up. Even in it, But I will acknowledge that uh, Justice Sotomayor has a very good counter on the other side. Yeah, so for myself, I, I would say per curiam is where I would lean toward as uh, most persuasive. Uh, mostly, again, just because it was less entrenched in emotion, as you already mentioned. So Gorsuch, which way too much emotion for me. I was immediately just disinterested in everything he had to say because it just came off as too emotional for me. And aggressive toward the Chief Justice, which <laughs> seemed yeah. unnecessary. Um, Kavanaugh it would be my second choice for the reasons you said, but I don't agree with his framing exactly. I don't agree with it needing to be comparable to all secular activities. And the reason I say that is kind of anti-Sotomayor. So she is comparing to the secular activities that apply. But my problem there is, you know, unfortunate or fortunate, I, I would think it's fortunate. I am not a religious person. <laughs> I don't have a religion that I particularly adhere to. But our First Amendment is protecting something, and it's protecting freedom of religion. And even though it makes sense to compare what you think are apples to apples, they're not apples to apples. Like, movie theaters are not a protected right. Whether or not the space and the venue and the activity itself is similar, they're not a protected right. There, there's people out there that exist who think going to the movie theater is like a religious experience for them, and that's great. But that's not a protected right. It's not a religious experience in a constitutional frame. Correct. So you having to forego going to the movies for a couple of months because there is a deadly pandemic happening, that's, I mean, that's fine. That's normal. But for a big part of our country, like our freedom of religion is huge. And that's, again, like she said, like it's envied by many other countries. And so that is a protected right. And there are people who their religion is essentially their whole life. Like, you know, that, that is their everything. Maybe they work at the church or maybe that is their community. That is their family. That is their everything. Or they're, they're guided by it every day. Exactly. That is Ex essentially who they are as a person is they are a religious person and this is their home and you're kind of saying well look we closed down movie theaters because they're similar to churches so you have to abide by the same rules and you just can't the first amendment says you can't you can't even compare those two so I know we, that we pretty much agree it, it, so it's like we agree that like it was the procurement opinion that was probably the most persuasive right. then a little bit of Kavanaugh Sotomayor Kavanaugh I think he could have the only thing I, I differ with Kavanaugh is I think the way he phrased it was I think again too amenable like he was trying to be too nice yeah. um, saying that it needs to compare to all secular no I don't think it does I think essentially look it doesn't even really need to compare to the secular. You you do when you're making these, I mean, if you're going to say 50% capacity for secular services, you have to also say for religious, but not because they're similar. It's because religious rights are protected far more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And that's all he had to say. He didn't have to say, well, I guess that is kind of what he said, but the way he said it, I didn't like. Yeah, he's not my favorite <laughs> writer either. Okay, so you said you had more than one question, though. Oh, right. So now when we fall into the injunctive relief. Okay. Um... The question there is, do you think this reached the, the merits for injunctive relief? I tend to say yes, mm -hmm. but I'm not super, super strong on it. And, that, and the reason being is because I'm not intimately familiar with how quickly the Supreme Court could take up a petition again had the church and the synagogue 
you know, re, you know, resubmitted something. Great. Well, then let's move on to me. I've had enough of you. Let's okay. talk about my feelings about injunctive relief. You uh, already know where I'm headed. So... <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me more. When it comes to injunctive relief, the Supreme Court, in my mind, after reading this, tends to change positions in ways that I'm not comfortable with. Um, so irreparable harm... I think that could be interpreted in many ways. So the way that you described it was there's this question. Governor Cuomo changed it to a yellow zone, but he has the capacity and based on circumstances could change it back to a red. And that's going to be an issue for the churches again where they have to be reduced down to 10 people. Irreparable harm to me is, you know, these people, again, it's it's their livelihood. They go to church. That is their life. That's irreparable harm to not be able to do what they do for a living or what what they're used to doing. Like church is their lifestyle, and they can't do that. That's harm to them. And the only thing immediately while reading this opinion that I thought about was abortion clinics. So reading through this, I had flashbacks of June Medical Services, which came out earlier this in 2020, where it was sort of a similar question. They're asking for injunctive relief of these new statutes that are possibly potentially going to close down abortion clinics in Louisiana. I'm going to throw that out there for now. Okay. So that's what they are requesting injunctive relief for. And so for the court to say, look, it's not an issue right now. Let's just consider it when it is. That's a problem for me because that's been always a problem for abortion clinics is, look, you're not closed today, so technically you're fine. You come to me when you get closed down, and then we'll discuss this. And which that's was, a problem. Which was Kavanaugh's opinion in, in the denial of something. It wasn't June, but it was something after June Medical. But that was Kavanaugh's opinion. And Gorsuch. And Gorsuch. Come to me when you actually are closed down or about to get closed down. Right. So that's that's what struck me immediately in reading this was I saw Gorsuch and I saw Kavanaugh where they're saying, no, this is a problem. I understand that you're at 50% capacity now, but tomorrow that could change. Whereas in June Medical, they had the complete opposite, which was, look, you're not closed yet. You have the potential to stay open. So you come to me when you get closed down and then we'll decide it. And that hit me as... That's not okay. So when issues like this come up that there there very much is a legitimate pending, um, like this, this issue is going to come up again. Again, like Governor Cuomo has the ability to shut you down tomorrow. That's a problem. These churches, again, these people go there normally. This is their regular lifestyle. If he's going to shut it down again tomorrow, that's an issue for them. Then they have to go through this process all over again. Same for women who are trying to get abortions. Like, you're telling me this is not an issue because today you're open, but tomorrow you might be closed? That's not okay. If I find out tomorrow that I need an abortion and all of a sudden the clinic is closed, you can't say, oh, well, sorry, I guess now that you're closed you can try to get injunctive relief, but... You know, hopefully, cross your fingers, no. Like, if you know it's a pending issue that could come up, injunctive relief is necessary. You're in the crossroads of things could get better, yes. Things could get worse, yes. And in the June medical, they said, if things get worse, you come see us. There's the potential, we're in the crossroads, things could get better. If they do, good. There's no reason to discuss this. If they don't get better, you come see us. And then here, it was the same thing. Things could get better. Maybe cases will go down, and this will never be an issue. And that was kind of where the chief justice stood. He was like, look, we don't know if this is an issue or not yet. Maybe cases are going to go down. You're never going to have to worry about this again. You come see us if it's a problem. And that's where Gorsuch and Kavanaugh said, whoa, whoa, whoa. It doesn't even matter. We need to decide this right now because maybe cases are going to get worse. And he's going to decide that we need to close these, restrict these churches. So we should just put it in paper right now. You can't do that. And so that's where I fall with the June Medical is, yeah, it could go either way. The scientific evidence that was presented to June Medical was like, we don't need admitting privileges. So you don't need to decide if it's going to go get better or worse, it's just we, we don't need that. And so, therefore, you should just decide right now that you don't need that. So that's where I... Right. And I think in either case, mm-hmm. because I'm not as strong as you on this, mm-hmm. obviously, but I think in 
any case, I think it's important to understand the well, I come from a manufacturing background, the tack time, the um, how long does it take for a Supreme the Supreme Court to take up, a, hey, we already heard this, but like things have changed, things got bad within the last 24 hours, let's hear your arguments right now. Right. Like what's the time, what's the actual timeline that the Supreme Court can support? And that's what bothered me more, just again, mm-hmm. my lady, my lady parts are tingling. So here. This is a family friendly podcast, by the way. Then my ovaries. Here, um, you know, we have this case where Governor Cuomo is going to bring up zone right right again, and um, you're restricted to 10 people. Okay, now you need to put your petition in. It's going to take a couple weeks to get to the court, and you're going to be denied access to your church for maybe a couple of months, and that's not okay. That's what Gorsuch and Kavanaugh are saying. That's not okay. You shouldn't be denied even a couple of days from your church because right now they don't have a good enough reason. Conversely, June Medical, uh, you know, we think you can get admitting privileges. You try your hardest. If you can't, you come see us. So they try to get admitting privileges. They can't. They start shutting down. Like the first one, the the, um, pharmaceutical only, they shut down immediately because they're like, look, we can't. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, A couple others say, you know what? It's not even worth the effort for me. I'm just going to move to another state. They shut down. One or two try, and then they find out that they can't. So now we're down to like two or three abortion clinics and me. I decide I want an abortion, and all of a sudden I can't get one in There's my like state. There's a water no clinic available in your state. Right. So that's when, okay, now I put in a petition to go to the Supreme Court to decide, finally, should we have injunctive relief And by the right time now. you're heard by the Supreme Court, you have a kid. Right. Or even, like, now I'm three months in, all of a sudden this state, not only does it say, like, you, the abortion clinics couldn't But viability open, is all viability of a sudden is viability point. Right. So that's where this, this timeline for injunctive relief, this irreparable harm thing, that's where it gets me, is I understand your ability not to go to church is irreparable harm to you when that's part of your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And that's why I say injunctive relief here is necessary. But that's also why I say that they were wrong in June Medical when they said, you know, we don't need to worry about this yet. We'll worry about it at the time. That's that's hard when you have something growing inside you that needs to like, we need to make a decision today. Well, I, so for, for the listeners, I do want to clarify that for the sake of this argument, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to take abortion as completely within the Constitution, just like the First Amendment. Right. Yes. I, I happen, yeah, that's where we're just... We're, yeah, yeah, we're going to leave it there. That's for another conversation. Because Roe right. v. Wade, we're just going to say it's, that would be, it's currently that's, yeah, United Roe v. Wade, States Casey, is a right. That's yeah. constitutional right. 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 That's a co- topic for another day. Yes, yeah. Again, situations are very different. Here we're talking about closing churches during COVID. The other one talking about closing abortion clinics because of certain requirements. But I just thought the injunctive relief aspect of it was interesting and a bit hypocritical just because of the, look, why don't you come back tomorrow if this is an issue sort of stance on one side as opposed to the, this could be an issue, we need to decide it right now stance on the other side. Right. I think there's enough difference in there where you could conceive of a way where they couldn't be hypocritical, but I do understand your point. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for joining in. Next time we'll be talking about, guess what? The First Amendment and abortion again, because that's who we are. All right. Thanks for tuning into Modus Scotus, and we'll see you next time. Bye.